Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. The Azure Podcast. This is episode number 460 being recorded on the 19th of May, 2023 with special guests, Akshay, Vijay, Neha, and just and Garv. And uh, with me on Teams, of course, I have Kale and Evan, and we're going to get to this very special uh, group of uh, students who've come, who are all from Penn State, uh, uh, talk about the work that they're doing on Azure. But before we get there, uh, let's uh, just cover some news. Uh, I believe uh, Evan and Kale, you had a couple of items to talk about. Sure, go ahead, Kale. Uh, yeah, the only one I have to talk about is uh, Build. Uh, so just want to remind our listeners that next week is build. Uh, it's virtual as well as I think there is in person, but uh, you can I put we'll put a link there and you can go see all the sessions and whatnot, all kinds of good stuff there. So I just I think we've talked about it in past podcasts, but I just want to call it out because it's the next week, so um, just a few days away. Um, yeah, and and um, the news that I want to chat about was the um, max surge capability with virtual machine skill sets. Right, so virtual machine skill sets are nice because you know you have this pool of VMs, and you know you can do you know guest OS upgrades, application upgrades, and it sort of rolls through them and does them um, in following your update domain rules. But the problem has always been historically, let's say I, I need five VMs to withstand my load. It used to be that we would take one out, upgrade it, put put it back in, take another one out, upgrade it, put it, which means you're actually running at you know eighty percent of your um, compute capacity versus the 100% you might actually need. So what the max search does is it actually um, creates and upgrades a VM and then adds it to your pool before it removes one. So net net is you still keep your baseline of compute um, capability. So this has been something I've been I've been I knew that the team was working on. I'm dying to see this go public. What'll be nice is as this starts surfacing on the PaaS services that leverage VMSS as well. I know some of the services have adopted it already. But um, great feature to, for making sure you can always withstand whatever load that your service is under, no matter what happens to underneath you. Awesome. Yeah. And just on that uh, bill thing, yeah, I was going to uh, mention it to our guests over here. Uh, you know, they, that's something that they can share with their uh, uh, fellow colleagues in uh, at the university. I mean, it's it's a great way. It's a developer conference. Microsoft developer conference is coming up uh, next week. It's uh, free. You can attend it virtually. It's got some great sessions. Of course, there's a lot of Azure sessions uh, as well as uh, just uh, you know software engineering, software development stuff, which I'm sure uh, every uh, folks in your team will be uh, interested in. But uh, yeah, let's uh, get to our, uh, our guests. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, please uh, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, we'll start with uh, with Neha and then uh, go around the table here. Neha, go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. So hi everyone. Uh, I'm Neha. I'm doing Master's in Computer Science at Penn State University. Uh, also, I've got around 5.5 years of work experience. Uh, so I mainly work in uh, virtualization storage cloud. Uh, also, uh, with the, uh, with this team, uh, I've collaborated with them and we've, we've done some work. I worked on uh, machine learning. So uh, yeah, this has been my uh, contribution to the team. Uh, yeah. 
that's it about me. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, let's say, uh, Akshay, when do you go next? Akshay, you're, you're on mute, you're on, Akshay. You're on mute. Yeah. It's not a good recording unless someone's accidentally on mute. Right now we all know we've broken the ice. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, thank you. Okay. My name is Akshay Kumar Gupta, and I'm a Master's of Engineering student with majors in Computer Science and Engineering at the Penn State. And uh, this is my final year, and we'll be graduating in August. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Garv? Hello, everyone. My name is Garv Jasuja. I'm also an engineering, master engineering student at Penn State with computer science. I'll be graduating this August. I have around five years of experience, mainly in the backend side in C Sharp, .NET, and Azure. Awesome. And Vijay? Yeah. Uh, hi, everyone, and uh, whoever may be listening to this in future. So, <laughs> my name is Vijay. Uh, I've uh, worked for around four years in India uh, in a solar energy company as a data analyst. And now I'm doing my master's in energy and mineral engineering. But my primary focus is on uh, using data analytics and uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence techniques to understand the real world systems. And that's where my contribution to our project, which we'll discuss further. Awesome. Like Great. Yeah. You. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, it was uh, nice. I, I met uh, um, uh, most of you actually in person uh, last week uh, at the uh, Global Azure Conference uh, Bootcamp, which was held in all over the world, actually. Uh, I, I attended the one, uh, I was co-hosting the one in New York City, uh, and I happened to meet all these uh, um, wonderful students, and they were telling me about the work that they've been doing in Azure, some of the prototypes and projects that they are creating uh, for detecting heart attacks. Uh, and I thought it'd be an interesting uh, discussion to have here to see how uh, you know how in academia how they're thinking about uh, the cloud, how they're trying to leverage the cloud in academia uh, for solving these uh, you know, difficult problems in the world. So, uh, yeah, so maybe one of you can just give us a little bit of a high-level overview on the project, and then we can kind of dive into some of the details uh, as we go along. Uh, well, if we, if we talk about the project in a very overview in a nutshell mode, so what we are building is uh, is what we like to call Alert Heart. Uh, it's a hardware device, the hardware device, which is capable of recording the user's heart rate, breathing rate, and other such vitals wirelessly. So the user doesn't need to wear anything. There's no, this is not a, like a wearable, a wearable device, rather it's like a smoke alarm that you put it on the top of your bed and it detects heart rate and breathing rate. And then uh, after collating that data using some kind of machine learning pattern recognition algorithms, we're able to detect if a patient is having a heart attack or a cardiac arrest, and then we send a notification to the caretakers. Uh, using a mobile app, so or a SMS facilities, however they might choose to be. So that is the very overview, the nutshell version of what we're trying to build here. And I believe uh, you had mentioned uh, that uh, you're doing this project. You've been doing working on it for a while, and uh, it's been part of some of the, uh, I guess, competitions or uh, uh, contests that you have in the university and even uh, uh, even outside the university, right? I think you've you've kind of presented this uh, project a few times. Uh, yes, that is correct. We were, so initially, we started this project in October, September. So me and Garv, we were in a class which was specializing in wireless technologies, and we read through some papers, research papers, and uh, we started working on this project in September, uh, October onwards. We first pitched it uh, at a Nittany AI Challenge, which is one of the premier competitions happening at the Penn State University across all the campuses in the Commonwealth. 
and uh, we, we are in the top 10 right now in that project uh, in that particular competition awesome. we are uh, yeah <laughs> we're thinking of uh, the final will be in the september so we are building this product in collaboration with various people apart from that we have uh, pushed this comp- uh, we have pitched this competition rather in the happy valley venture capital pitch competition uh, this was again part of penn state startup week and we were very fortunate to win a very generous prize of of, uh, of over $10000 uh, which we four of us actually quite enjoyed uh, spending uh, while building this project. I must clarify, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but apart from that, we also uh, pitched this comp- uh, pitched this idea at the Microsoft Imagine Cup, uh, where we were among the top three teams in healthcare across the whole Americas. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't move uh, to the next level, but still, we had a great exposure. We got really great feedback on this, and I think uh, Vijay, Vijay, and uh, Vijay and me also participated in Yale. Vijay, do you want to talk about the Yale part? Where we, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we were there for the Yale School of Medicine uh, annual hackathon. So it's conducted by the Center for Biomedical Innovation and Technology. And uh, it was a really good uh, experience because uh, that was the first time we were getting real hard uh, feedback from the actual domain experts. So the doctors, the practitioners, the uh, uh, residents and the, the hackathon was filled with all of those people and it was just a really good uh, brainstorming session with them. We also uh, uh, got to know a few people who were uh, giving uh, validation to our product. So there was a lot of discussion during the hackathon time. It was majorly uh, trying to know uh, because we, all of us, we are engineers. All of us have a bachelor's of technology and then here we are doing masters. So uh, it's easier to say from an engineering perspective, but then we always need to have the domain, if not expertise, then at least the domain experts view to get to know the, because what we are trying to do is very personal and uh, biological uh, in nature. So what we are trying to do is very human centric. So it's very important to get to uh, have this constant feedback sessions and validation from the uh, the stakeholders who are mostly involved in the system. So that was really a good experience. And then uh, based on that feedback, we were able to even uh, tweak it and uh, in- include additional features like uh, Akshay Garvan Neha can talk more on the LiDAR arm feature. And uh, that, that was actually an innovation that uh, came about after uh, getting to know the different views from the medical community uh, and uh, obviously the data side of things i i i'm sorry uh, i try to handle the data analysis and uh, uh, assist neha in the machine learning and artificial intelligence part i'm not uh, i'm not the best with the uh, software side that's where garv and akshay come in but uh, uh, it, it's, it's sort of a complementary uh, team because uh, uh, they uh, do that side of thing and then uh, neha and i we get to do the other side completing the whole package. Uh, and of course we have the hardware and IOT stuff which we are tinkering with. So uh, that's how I see this whole experience as uh, going forward as well. And uh, we're excited. This is this is really cool. It's always cool to see um, uh, Penn State, I guess not grads yet, but grads to be um, doing well. My, my family actually is originally from just outside of Penn State. Um, you know, so I have a lot, a lot, I almost went there. Uh, I didn't end up going there, but um, it, you know, I, I think what's fascinating when I hear y'all talk about um, this is, you know, you, you talk about sort of the hardware piece and the software piece and all that's got to come together. So it's really multidisciplinary at the end of the day. Um, but I think the thing that fascinates me is thinking about what what the cloud enabled you to do here, because, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 
I don't know that you could have done this. You know, when you when you look at how the cloud sort of played into it, are there pieces that without the cloud you just wouldn't have been able to get anywhere near achieving the goal? Um, what, what's what's an example of that? So um, a little bit of background on myself. I didn't say that in the introduction. Uh, I'm a, like an Azure certified cloud architect. So I was the one uh, setting up most of the cloud and Garv is the one actually programming the cloud. So I'll just uh, segue this after uh, to Garv. So initially what I would like to say, the major components of Azure, which were which I think will be defining for us, like one of the things is the notification part, obviously, uh, to ensure that the phones are getting notified when the people are getting hurt. Like that was uh, one feature. But I think the core where we use Azure is to uh, collect our data from an IoT-enabled device. Uh, we store that data and we run our machine learning algorithm. So it gives us a place to run our algorithms with the processing power we need because uh, sometimes we do need a lot of processing power. We do need it uh, a place where the data is also available. So it cannot be on a distributed system. Uh, in our, so data is quite fast available to us and machine learning algorithms are running. And all of them, I think, comes very beautifully on Azure when we have different components all working together. Uh, I think Garf can explain more on that. Yeah, but I, I think sort of trying mm -hmm. to, like, if you had to tackle that part as well as the hardware and the software that you've built, like, that that would take this project and make it, you know, 10 times or 100 times harder, I would think. Yeah, so, like, previously, like, we didn't have a cloud. The main issue which we do face was, because in this R project, we are getting breathing rate in every second. So in every 60 seconds, in every minute, we have 60 readings. So there is actually no way possible to store all that data. And then after storing, process that data, that too in real time. So prior to cloud, I am not sure if that would be even possible to do that, even processing that. And in our project, real time is a crisp thing because heart attack and cardiac arrest, are, it took us very suddenly and the time matters a lot because in the golden, yeah. golden hour, if you, you can detect the thing and you can tell the caretaker or anyone, they can take the preventive action and person's life can be saved. But if it is not real time, and we are not doing the real-time analysis, I don't think it would be a, our project even would be a useful because all the thing is actually the real-time matters a lot in our project. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's like at the end, of, uh, we will be able to tell the friends that, hey, your friend had a heart attack and uh, we are not sure how he is right now, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they had one at 2 p.m. yesterday. So I don't think that will uh, would have solved not as any of the... at that point. Not as helpful. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. Um, and one more thing is that you see that we are like four people team, but had we not had a cloud, we might have like 15 or 20 people. Like some of them will be an IT expert managing our servers, making sure everything is set it up right, uh, writing those long scripts of PowerShell and something like that. Um, thankfully, we didn't, didn't have to do any of it. So yeah, that was one thing I think. Yeah. And also some of would be a security expert because ours is actually a medical data. So, oh yeah, And there are a yeah. lot of regulations. Azure or any cloud gives that by default. They have all the compliances and certifications. If we have to do it on our own, I don't think we will be able to get that compliances anyhow. Anyhow, yeah. yes. Yeah, listen to this. Like Something that sticks out to me and maybe you could like uh, educate our listeners a bit more on is a couple things that are kind of related. Like I heard you mention like you've talked to some physicians and doctors and things about this now. And it's kind of interesting to me. So sometimes projects start there, right? Like of saying, hey, a doctor had an idea or something like that, who's like very close to what this problem is, and then brings that to engineers versus engineers saying, hey, we think we have an idea here for something and, and taking it that way. And also along with that, what, what was the inspiration for this? Was it... Uh, I, I hope somebody didn't have a heart attack here, but like, you know, what was their inspiration like behind this? Like, how did this start? Like, what was the idea that, that sparked this, you know? 
So uh, one thing is that, uh, you know, we are all uh, immigrant children right now. We have come from India here. So we all have parents at home. And uh, this is something, you know, it's constantly, I won't say bother, but like we are always like, hey, how are they, you know, and will they get the help if they need? Because and heart attack is something which is unfortunately uh, quite a, quite common nowadays and which is quite unfortunate, but it is. So when we were studying about uh, using wireless radiations uh, like Wi-Fi and 60 gigahertz radiations and how users are able to extract heart rate from that, uh, me and Gar, we had a, like a sudden talk that, you know, we can use this, we can have this technology to detect heart attacks or things like that. And uh, because we had some background in industry, both of us, we were like, yeah, we can build this. We have those expertise and, you know, with some help from Penn State and our professors, we can probably build this up. And uh, both of us had some friends who are doctors, uh, practicing doctors. So the moment we had this brain, we were like, okay, let's let's talk to them. Initially, I'll be honest, they were not very uh, happy with this. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, because uh, the machine learning component was not there. So they were like, you can't just use heart rate. So then we're like, okay, then uh, we talked to them, we discussed. And then it was all, uh, that, that's how uh, Azure start factoring in because uh, we needed some place to run our algorithms. And our machines are simply not uh, that well equipped. Uh, to run such kind of algorithms and such kind of data. So uh, I think, uh, Vijay, would you like to further el elaborate on this one? Yeah, uh, I was just going to say uh, that uh, I, I think a real validation of the product and uh, a sort of like a unintentional customer uh, discovery came when uh, we were we were assigned a mentor for the Microsoft Imagine Cup. And I don't remember his name, maybe Akshay can <laughs> tell, but... Uh, so uh, we were pitching him our project and, and uh, there were discussions back and forth. And then the mentor, uh, he, he had to reschedule the meeting to a later time uh, because one of their parents was uh, unfortunately, uh, they, they were a little sick and they have some heart issues. And then uh, in the next meeting, in the rescheduled meeting, when we were pitching the product, then the mentor uh, was like practically emotional. Uh, this is the kind of stuff uh, which hits home and uh, which needs to be uh, which needs to be in use. So uh, it, it was sort of very unintentional, but very uh, serendipitous and surreal in the way that uh, we we had seen uh, even in the mentor that uh, this has become commonplace now, uh, relatively commonplace. And the worst thing is that the trend is getting worse uh, based on all the suggestions in terms of all healthcare indicators. And it's not not just uh, uh, a particular country's problem or so on it's a it's a worldwide phenomenon so uh, i think it's uh, really important to take action and uh, that's when when uh, uh, when during their wireless course uh, akshay and Gurb, they were uh, brainstorming about this that's when i joined and uh, i was like yeah because uh, azure is one of those uh, premium service providers with a whole suite of uh, data processing and uh, machine learning pipelines and it it really makes things uh, smoother uh, from a data analyst perspective and even as a uh, machine learning uh, algorithms uh, engineer perspective, it makes things really easier and uh, smooth and uh, consistent uh, because uh, it, it, for uh, not only for tinkering with the product or uh, playing around with data, but uh, in actual deployment as well. And uh, and it's consistent and reliable. So that's when we decided that, okay, the, the pieces just perfectly fit into it. Uh, Azure uh, will be the game changer. And then uh, based on uh, whatever knowledge we had, uh, it was always a cyclical uh, process of uh, trying out, testing it. And then uh, we 
we were we were uh, very conscious as to uh, venture out and uh, try to seek uh, as much feedback as we can that's why we were part of various hackathons throughout the semester we participated in as many competitions as we could and then uh, it was always trying to uh, better the product and then uh, introduce more and more features and uh, like akshay was saying initially it was just about the heart rate but then uh, we realized that uh, that again ties into our uh, perspective of looking through things from an engineering lens and then uh, once you start gathering the uh, real world information and then uh, once the uh, experts view kicks in then we we start uh, augmenting whatever we need to do and then uh, um, make it better so that's a continual process and uh, uh that's how i see the thing yeah i just want to mention the name of the uh, mentor which i mentioned uh, it's a microsoft mvp mr dwayne natwick uh, who was the mentor <laughs> how do you how did you so so you know you talk about building the the machine learning model in after getting some initial feedback and what I, I i guess how do you how do you test how do you even get real data cuz like you don't want to you know, go induce a heart attack on somebody so that you can check your your data store to that point. Is is there is there baseline data somewhere that that you started with, or like how do you how do you even know your model's any good? Well, that is uh, that is something which has been uh, a constant feedback from all the people we have project presented to. So what we have done is what we have relied on is we have some case studies uh, which have been published by the doctors from the 1990s onward on to 2016 where they were able to collate data from patients who had heart attack oh okay and, so you had the you had yes. the data set to start with ah okay. exactly yes and uh, for now what we are trying to do is uh, once we are like right now our product is in a prototype phase we do have a product and we are also uh, diversifying our product because like there's another student at Penn State he has a ring which works uh, which works similar to a watch so it has a, like a heart rate sensor built in it so what we are trying to do is diversify our product um, and finally our aim is that um, there's a Penn State Hershey campus which is like the medical school of Penn State uh, what we are trying to do is getting our product uh, in the medical school or in an elderly care home center because elderly and the people of higher age are at higher risk of having heart attack and hence the product is intended yeah. to be used for them so what we are trying to do is put our device in some real locations you know gather the data and see if our models are able to do anything i think uh, neha has worked on some models so she wants to add to this <laughs> yes basically we are right now working on those models uh to create uh, so basically we want to personalize this model for every patient so uh, we try to get the baseline data for every patient and then uh make a model which can learn from that and uh, which can later help to predict any anomalies based on the later feedback or uh, yeah later feedback that we get from from our device so we're working on those models and we're also leveraging uh, the azure machine learning uh, studio for that so we use we're trying to use the designer also which makes it pretty easy and helps us build our models pretty rapidly so yeah it helps us with the end to end machine learning life cycle so trying to yeah, leverage Initially, what we were doing was just had a set of data, so we put it through different models because you know with ML uh, Studio it's very much possible. So you have like yep. similar pipeline feeding to different models, and then we get outputs and okay, how which model is performing what. So uh, this was one of the things that we were using. Uh, but again, uh, our major objective was to personalize this for each patient because you know everyone has a different heart rate, especially when they're asleep. And our device, uh, the biggest selling point for our device was that it works because you don't have to wear anything. And usually, when people sleep, they don't like wearing 
like watches or rings or whatever so it was like uh, that's what we are uh, targeting like people who are living alone uh, sleeping alone and our device will help monitor that without any invasive or minimal messages so what if you could walk me through this uh, data pipeline right now we talked about how these devices are going to capture uh, capture some of the signals that you you're getting how does it, what's the next step in this and how does it like flow through the data processing pipeline? I wonder if you could just give us a high level overview on that. Sure, Agar. Yes, yes. So what we are basically doing is our device is connected to the cloud using IoT Hub, Azure IoT Hub. So it is collecting the data and we are doing some pre-processing in our device ourselves. So that to filter out some anomalies or some, what I would say, a, a sound or something, that type of data we are filtering out. And the rest of the data we are sending using IoT Hub to the cloud. And we are storing it in Cosmos DB. And on the same side, we are using Azure Stream Analytics to do the real-time analysis using our model. So through that, we are analyzing. We have set up a window of time. And in that time, Azure Stream Analytics is doing the analysis. And if we found some anomaly or something, we send the notification using Azure Notification Hub to the user and the caretakers and the other persons. And all the other side, the data we are storing in Cosmos DB, we are using that to train our models using transfer learning time to time. So that our model gets accuracy gets better. It predicts a better prediction. And that is also on the user basis. That is not on the overall model. It's basically the user-specific modeler. And it keeps on getting better and better every day with the data we are getting. Uh, another thing which uh, uh, we are doing is we have a LiDAR sensor. So it is similar to the sensor which is used in Teslas and all the cars to you know, map everything in 3D. So we had a custom 3D printed arm designed for it. So it LiDAR in two dimensions. So we are what we are getting is a 3D uh, point cloud of the whole room. So it is very similar to what like um, devices like HoloLens do. They, they try to create the whole room in 3D. So after that, that data also gets collected and uh, on the server, again, uh, using the IoT hub only. And the data, uh, uh, Vijay has a... Uh, data analysis a pattern recognition algorithm running in the cloud. So what it does is takes those data and it tries to find the human in that particular set of point clouds. And with that, because uh, our assumption is that when a person is having such kind of cardiac arrest or heart attack, they tend to clutch their chest or they tend to uh, clutch their stomach or something like that. So we are looking for those distress signals. So basically what happens is say if a, if a heartbeat anomaly is there, it might be because they are having a nightmare or a very good dream or some other reason. But having this kind of helps us you know, eliminate false positives. And once we eliminate that, uh, as Gar mentioned, our model gets trained to understand, okay, for this person, maybe a heart rate of 100 is not that bad as compared to, say, another person who, for who a resting heart rate of 60 is uh, good enough. So that's how we are trying to retrain and you know, learning from the models. Also with LiDAR, the main advantage is it is not intruding your privacy because there is no camera in that or anything. LiDAR just makes the point cloud. So there is no way you will feel some, have some hesitation to install that in your room because there is nothing which we are storing or which we are getting from your private privacy. Very cool. Yeah, the question I had back backing up a second there, um, I think actually I had mentioned like uh, other devices like rings and things like this. So maybe could you expand on that? Is, is the idea like, um, for instance, you could have the technology and the device you guys have been working on and then complement it with these other ones, meaning like you can get an even stronger signal or more confidence in it because I have now two or three devices that are actually feeding yes. me this thing, you know? Actually, yes. Uh, what we are doing right now is uh, we have another Penn State student with us. He's a PhD student. Uh, he has joined team, I think, yesterday. 
uh, officially. So what he has built, he has built a ring, uh, which has a PPG heart rate sensor in it. And he's also trying to integrate an EKG sensor in the ring itself, similar to what we have in Apple Watch or Samsung watches. So the idea, but uh, what this suffered from is the problem of battery life. Uh, because the ring is a very small thought factor. So what the idea is uh, that the ring does not need to connect to any phone now. It will connect to our device and use the same pipelines which we have built. So this way the smartphone dependency gets over with. And second is say our device detects that, okay, this person is probably having a, a arrhythmia, you know, a heart attack or something like that. We send a message to the ring through the cloud that, hey, take an EKG right now and tell us what, how it's going. I mean, you know, it's like uh, one device is complementing another one and both of them together are so basically the ring had a shortcoming that it had less battery and it required a phone to connect so that shortcoming is addressed by our device because now the phone it was uh, it's like a smoke alarm right it goes on the room, ceiling of the room so the moment ring sees a such device it can put all the data to our uh, machine learning pipelines and so we can do so this is how we are trying to integrate so in a way what i'm trying to say is that probably what a device is it may become a kind of what to say platform for other devices to come contribute their data and also become a platform for other devices to get uh, in, insights. So like watch gets insight, hey, you may want to check on your patient, maybe they are fallen or something like that. I really like how you've taken into account all of the uh, privacy concerns. Uh, that was really nice to see. Uh, I'm just wondering how, you know, in the pipeline itself, how do you uh, ensure that the patient uh, is data is anonymized, right? Like obviously if you're training data and things like that, you don't want to, I don't know if you use one person's data to train another, whether there's any privacy concerns in that. Is, uh, is, is that something that you have to address? Um, yes, we had to address this because uh, when we, basically, it's thing is something like when we are storing anything, the data has to be anonymized. So when we train some model, it's trained on personal uh, data. So we train it and then we kind of remove that data because we have extracted learning from it. And for the, for the long training purposes, we store it anonymously. Um, again. Over to you for this part. Uh, yes, so we are basically taking very minimal information from the users. And there is the how we are differentiating user bases based on the device ID which we get. So there is not much information stored in the database, first of all. And second of all, all the data which we are storing also, we are deleting that after 14 days. So all the training of the model or anything we have to do, we do that in 14 days. And after 14 days, all the data of that user, including the heart rate, breathing rate, the gestures, everything is deleted from the database. So there is no, the chances of getting it leaked is very minimal. And second thing is, even if it is getting leaked, there is no user data in that. It is just a random ID you will be getting. So there is no way you can track for which user this data is there. Very nice, thank you. So so my specialization these days is, is about um, sort of the reliability of the architecture and the application. And, you know, when I talk to, to people like yourself, a lot of times, you know, it's, hey, we're building this cool functionality and it's going to be this neat technology. And then it's all running on a single VM, you know, in a single region. And, and you know, if there's some sort of failure, like it doesn't take much of a failure to take that workload down. Have, have y'all, are y'all at the point now where you're sort of considering what this would look like from a reliability perspective as well? Or is that future work that you're, you're thinking about now? Well, uh... If I'm absolutely frank, I will say it's something in the future work. But still, uh, like because again, we are using Azure. We are using we are not we are not using VM at all. Actually, we have uh, distributed services. Uh, like we are using multiple services. And when we are using Cosmos DB, as Gar mentioned, Cosmos DB, we are using redundancy to ensure that at least our uh, data is 
redundantly stored so so and models are also stored in a storage account which also provides us with that kind of redundancy uh, that we require but apart from that yes but as we move further in the in the development cycle for this product uh, things like security privacy and of course reliability these are the three uh, major fo- things which we are focusing uh, as we as our product comes close to reality or rather close to we can say real life data use real life situations real life usage commercializations and things like that but it, but i think you do you do raise a good point is there's some level of reliability and and resiliency that's built in just by using these PaaS services right it's it's probably not yeah. the full layer that you that you need but you get some to start with um and and again it would be much harder if you had to build all of that to start with yes and also we are instead of using the SaaS, we are also using serverless things so we are using logic yeah. apps and azure functions so by default, there is not much we have to do on our side. Everything is managed by Azure, the reliability, the SLAs and everything. So that's why we are trying to use as much possible the serverless things and the services which Azure provides rather than using the app services or VMs or something like that. Because having a vendor like Azure giving us those SLAs, it's really convenient for us. As you mentioned, had we been doing everything on our own, setting up our own servers, uh, yeah, this this project would have been like, we would have completed our PhDs by then, I think, before we would have seen <laughs> this project. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yes. Good, but but you're thinking about it though, which is, which is great, right? Because again, a lot of people don't even think about it and then you're trying to bolt it in later and you've made design decisions that, you know, it's really tough to go back and, and redo at that point. Yes. That is correct. This is really great uh, having this discussion with you guys. Uh, have you get, do you have a name for this product? Like some sort of a, have you come up with a cool name for it yet, or is that something still work in progress? Well, as of now, we like to call it Alert Heart, and you can actually go to www.alertheart.com, and we do have that domain. And oh. I believe Gar, we do have a website also. I guess <laughs> we do have some. Pieces. Yes. Yeah, we have that. We, we and it's on Azure, right? The site's on Azure as well. Right? Oh, yes, of, course, yes. of, course. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it is on Azure. It's like uh, once once you start using Azure, I don't think you uh, see the world the same anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, yeah, don't look at other services then because it is such a complete package. And also, we come from the Microsoft domain, the .NET C Sharp. So we use Visual yes. Studio. So deployment uh, to Visual Studio to Azure is just a single quick thing. That's a single thing. And doing so that, that on awesome. some other cloud is really a time-consuming thing. Yeah. We don't have right. to open PowerShell. We don't have to do anything. Just tuck, 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 and that's it. <laughs> Server deployed. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, sorry, I didn't raise my hand, but I just had one other question about that specifically. Um, open source. Uh, so how much of this is, is this open source project? Like some of the, especially like the the models and stuff that you're building, is this something... Yeah, obviously, maybe you guys are going to make a business around this or something like that potentially, but also like is there pieces of this as being fed back into the community like through and through like OSS or whatnot? As of now, not really. Uh, but we do aim to do that because uh, at the end, as a, when we see ourselves in future, we don't see ourselves as a product company. Rather, we see ourselves as a research company, uh, which is focused on building those data sets, building those models to help uh, people get the treatment they deserve at the time they require. So that is how uh, we see the future uh, of us if we build it as a product and, a, and a, as a company. So we see ourselves completely focused on researching and developing such techniques. So right now, uh, it's uh, none of this is open source, unfortunately. But as we move further, as we move our product, uh, build our product better, we obviously look uh, the models to be open source and you know getting back from the community and getting giving to the community both of them. 
Um, yeah, you know, this is this is great. I mean, it's great to see the investment from academia. It's great to see the investment from y'all. I mean, this is this can't be. This has to be a ton of time and effort, right? Um, as well, and so you know, great to see the, you know, the innovation and and the uh, you know investment in people's health as well. So you know, wish y'all the best of luck, and you know, keep us posted. Um, love to see. I'd love to see one of these in my you know in my in my room at some point. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.